Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at marksdailyapple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at primalblueprint.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. Today, we have Martin Silva on the show, and he's beyond passionate when it comes to health. At the age of 13, he was introduced to the world of weightlifting, and since then has coached over a 1,000 people, traveled the world, and climbed the ladder as a physique competitor, ultimately ranking within the top fitness models on the planet. Six years ago, he adopted a paleo lifestyle, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today, and also just his mission and purpose to really help others feel great in their own skin and achieve their best body. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Thanks for the introduction there, Al. Um, that was a great introduction. I um, Yeah, I'm, I'm over here in Australia, the other side of the world, and the last time we touched base was Oh, I'm thinking, I think it was about half a year ago or so when you uh, you jumped onto my podcast. So it's great to uh, to catch up again, and I'm really looking forward to sharing my experiences with the audience. I'm a big fan of the podcast as well. I wanted to say that, massive fan, so this is awesome. <laughs> you're, you're sweet. Uh, for those listening right now, and we'll of course put everything in the show notes, but uh, if you want to go on to Instagram, it's Martin Silva Fitness. Uh, you, you know what? You've got just about as many followers as Mark Sisson. So go, <laughs> go, dude, go. Um, let's, but let's talk about this. You got into the world of weightlifting at 13. I mean, that's a little early. What, how did that, you know, because anyone who sees your Instagram is like, yeah, that dude's been doing it since he was 13. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it is, it is quite a young age, but I guess, yeah, nowadays it's, uh, it's kind of pretty much the norm nowadays, right? Because uh, people are starting from a young age. But yeah, I've always been I've always been a very a very active individual, if you like. I've always been big into sports, even from a young age. Played rugby from like the age of five years old. Uh, karate, you name it. I, my mum was always pushing me to to play a variety of different sports and stuff, which I guess helped because my father wasn't really around, so it was good to have that camaraderie and actually have some some you know a lot of male male. Uh, company and figures in my life if you like so yeah so by the time I got to about 13 I actually was introduced to lifting weights and yeah so I never looked back really I mean I fell in love with it straight away I guess one of the one of the main reasons I started lifting was because I was playing rugby at the time and I wanted to to build a bit of muscle and at the same time I guess you know when you're when you're that age you kind of it's, it's kind of insecurities as well probably looking back on it because you know you want to look better you want to be more attractive to the opposite sex and whatnot but yeah as i say i just i just fell in love with with uh, the way it made me feel the response i had from my body and then i just i just took it to another level then so i by the time i was like 19 i decided i wanted to i, I finished college decided i wasn't going to go to to university because it was just I didn't really have a I didn't really have a specific focus in terms of what it, what exactly it was I wanted to do. So then I I became a personal trainer. Then so I became a certified personal trainer by the age of by the age of nineteen. I'm now I'm now thirty one, um, and like like you just said on the intro, then I've I've coached you know well over a thousand people, mainly as a personal trainer, but also also some online stuff as well, and. I yeah I'm I'm just as we said again I'm beyond passionate about it but but nowadays the, the the good thing is now is I've managed to you know my paradigm has shifted if you like from 
from focusing, you know, pr- primarily on aesthetics and, and how I looked, which was, uh, you know, that was one of the main drivers behind me, you know, probably, probably competing is, you know, I wanted to look, I, I was always kind of in shape, even from the age of about, you know, by the, by the age of 19, I'd been lifting weights for 15, sorry, for five years. So I was already in, in really good shape. And, and then, um, there was like a men's physique competition local to, to, uh, my area. So I thought, you know, I thought I'd give it a go. People were saying, you know, you're in good shape, you know, I'm, I'm natural as well. So I've never, I've never taken any, uh, you know, performance enhancing stuff. I'm a lifetime natural. So, um, yeah. So the guys were like, you know, you, you can get up there naturally. You're in good shape. My friends were kind of egging me on. So then, uh, I jumped on stage then and, and, and then took, took my, uh, my physique to another level. Uh, but as I said, you know, when, when you're competing and, and, you know, you're, it's all based on how you look and aesthetics and also you're getting critiqued against, you know, uh, some, some of the best physiques on the planet eventually, but I was getting, you know, you're getting critiqued by judges on, on how you look. And then if anything, that kind of, that kind of, that kind of stems in, sorry, it kind of cements in any, you know, any kind of insecurities you had about how you looked or whatever. It's funny because, um, a lot of women, you know, talk about, you know, it's kind of the norm for, for women to be more kind of self-conscious about how they look, but it's interesting now how, you know, it's clear that men are becoming more and more self-conscious about, you know, how they look and, and stuff like that. So it's no different really to guys. And once you've been on stage and being, you know, judged by other people, it then kind of sends you down, it can send you down a path of becoming even more obsessive um, based on how you look, how you look in the mirror. So I got to a point where I was actually, I was actually pretty unhealthy because I was, um, I built up like a, it was like a, an eating disorder when I look back on it really, because I was being, <clears throat> actually, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about, firstly, about how I kind of, prior to me competing, I'll just go back to when I was, uh, when I qualified as a personal trainer when I was, when I was 19, as I said. And then when I got to about, I think 24, 25, I used to, I used to teach, um, like classes and group exercise classes as well. That's how I actually first got into it when I was 19, 20. And I used to teach spin classes and whatnot. And I used to, I used to get like, uh, chest infections all the time. And I was aware that I was doing a lot because I was, I was lifting weights and, and, and teaching spin classes and putting my body under a lot of stress. But now when I look back and I connect the dots, the way I was eating was actually not good. I wasn't, I wasn't eating particularly healthy at all. Actually, I was eating um, a lot of processed foods, although at the time I wasn't fully aware of it. You know, like the typical kind of eating lots of bread, bread with every meal, uh, a lot of dairy, more than anything really. And yeah, I used to get a lot of chest infections. My, my skin wasn't the best. And I actually got to a point as well where when I was about 23, I actually went through a, an episode of, of depression as well when I was uh, 23 for 23 to about 24, 25 for a good year or two. Um, and there was, there was obviously lots of other factors which, which drove that as well, which I won't, won't go too much into. But um, yeah, I, I managed to overcome that eventually. But now looking back, I'm pretty sure when I changed my food habits at the age of about, like I said, about six years ago, I, I decided to stop eating dairy. And um, that was a game changer within itself. So I stopped getting chest infections. My skin cleared up. I started feeling much better with my energy levels. My performance in the gym improved. Uh, and at the same, I wasn't actually teaching those vigorous kind of spin classes and stuff anymore. So I was doing a lot less intense cardio. So there's, again, there was other factors which come into that, but 
Yeah, yeah, just, and I want to I want to interject on that with the Jerry. Yeah, that's cool. So yeah. you know, because we've we've heard so much from so many people, from estheticians to uh, personal experiences of coaches who got into this because their faces were a mess. And mm. dairy is an absolute igniter of that. You know, it's like if you are having skin issues, go right to quitting all flour. You know, great like immediate paleo, but strict and mm. eliminate the dairy, and you'll see it's also mucus forming. I mean, you know, no singer in their right mind has any kind of dairy before they go on stage um, mm. because it's just technically that. And if anyone's really want to de- delve into like the breakdown of like the different proteins in milk and why, you know, they are inflammatory, you know, listen to Dr. Ken Berry's interview on the Primal Blueprint podcast. I just, you know, because that's such a big thing. Dairy is such a huge thing that solves so many people's problems. And you mentioned depression and we interviewed uh, another personal trainer, Holly Perkins, and she uh, was on meds for like since she was 11 years old for depression and mm. just didn't realize until she was 40 that it was really dairy and gluten and wow. by doing some blood work she quit that and she <clears throat> got off all antidepressants within a year so i know i don't i just wanted to point out those two yeah. components for what they can do to mind and also your face i notice it myself if i have dairy i get mucusy and also to like pimply um what before you eliminated these things, what led you to that? How did you even find out about the word paleo or the movement, etc.? Like what, you know, because there's so many paradigms out there, and I'm mm. sure you've been exposed to every single diet under the sun, right? We all have. Yeah, if you're at all in this kind of, if you all, if you care about this, and you're kind of into working out and stuff, we all look at the bookstores and dance around it. So mm. what, what, what drew paleo into you? Yeah, so it wasn't that I actually decided, right, I'm going to I'm gonna adopt a paleo diet. That wasn't kind of my, my trailer thought at the time. But it was more a case of like, oh, right, okay, I seem to feel better when I have – I just kind of connected quite early that oh, I feel a little bit better when I don't have too much dairy. Uh, and I thought, right, okay, what if I just switch over, for example, from normal milk to – at the time, I just switched over to like almond milk. And just from cutting out milk alone, that was just uh, – it was so transformative for me. Like I said, all of those – kind of issues uh, subsided and I started feeling much better. But in terms of what, how it came about, it was actually, believe it or not, it was, I only found out through paleo, through uh, CrossFit, because I'm not, I'm not a massive fan of CrossFit, if I'm honest, nowadays. But back then, I had a little stint for about a month or two where I, where I had to go a CrossFit. And I started hearing people talking about, because obviously the paleo diet is kind of attached to, uh, to CrossFit in a sense. But um, yeah, so I, start, I found out about the actual name paleo through when I was doing CrossFit. I noticed a lot of the guys were were eating that way, and then I realized, oh, actually, I've I've kind of cut out gluten and dairy, so I'm, I'm along the lines of, of eating eating as a um, in a paleo manner, if you like. So yeah, that's kind of how I found out about it. But uh, but but nowadays, again, the way I eat, I I'm very in tune with my body now. So um, so basically, my physique is now a byproduct of, of me just looking after myself for the most part, really, which is which is a great place to be. But I can go a bit deeper into my journey uh, a bit later. But yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how it was. And then um and then I just gradually it took me a while though. That was just one one of the many kind of uh amendments I made really. I just cut dairy out. But then a few a few years down the line then when I started competing, I um like I was gonna go into then, I, I actually built up a bit of an eating disorder because you are restricting your food so much. And I didn't really know much about nutrition then at all. So I was just basically the typical kind of, let's go into another diet now, the, the typical bodybuilder diet, which 
you know, is super unhealthy. It's very restrictive. Just like just like any diet, if you get really give us an example, because I mean, I know it can be anywhere from like five hundred egg whites and oatmeal. Yeah, (laughs) I've heard all sorts of crazy stuff from bodybuilders. But give me a typical like if you're in it, full in it, old paradigm. What's a day like? Give me breakfast, lunch, dinner. Like, give me the rundown. I'll give you an example now. So when I'm leading up, when I was leading up to competitions, especially when I first started out. Bear in mind, I've competed about eight times now. At the start of that, the first time I competed, I was just quite willy-nilly with it, really. Didn't even know what I was doing. Just jumped on stage um, and managed to come second. So that was just like luck. And, and luckily, all the work of I put in the gym paid off. Second time around then, that's when it became really unhealthy. So just to give you a run-through of the kind of stuff I was eating, it was literally, it was chicken and broth. So I'll give you an example of a day. I would, I would get up. For breakfast, I would have... Um, Egg whites, I'd have like, like you said then, I'd have like six egg whites. I'd mix that with with tuna and walnuts, which probably isn't too bad if I'd have had the egg yolks because we all know how many nutrients you can actually find within the yolk of the egg. That's where most of the nutrients are. Um, so yeah, so I had that. I would have that for breakfast. Then I would have uh, chicken and broccoli, the typical chicken and broccoli meal, uh, maybe a little bit of spinach on the side. Um, and then it would be, the, the next meal would be again, Chicken and broccoli. This is no lie. And then I would have a little bit of. And that's chicken breast, right? Yeah, chicken breast. Of course. Yeah, that's right. Um, Again, just, you know, if I was having a variety of other animal products, good quality ones, it wouldn't be too bad. But again, it was it was a chicken breast with broccoli and some sweet potato. And and that that was it. And then in the evening, then, for example, I would have some salmon then. So I would have some salmon, like a salmon filler. And. I don't know what it is about. We, we all know how you know broccoli is probably one of the most nu- nutrient dense vegetables on the planet. But like anything that happens in the bodybuilding world, people uh, you know they'll they'll grab something and run with it. So it was broccoli with every meal basically. So then and it would be salmon and broccoli and maybe some more potato in the evening, and it would be like that for about eight weeks. The same food day in day out, which is just so unnecessary. I got my kind minimal of fat too, not brain sustaining oh, exactly. at all. Like you just no. feel like yeah, cholesterol too low. Yeah, definitely. But that was the extreme kind of case. But uh, yeah, that was like a diet plan I had off like a, an old school bodybuilder when I didn't know anything about it. And that was it then. But but the, the, what happened then? How things started to take a turn for the worse, if you like, was you would get to the show day and you can imagine you have literally restricted yourself from not only heaps of different nutrients. So you've, you've kind of malnourished your body and probably built up a, a nutrient deficiency, but then you are rebounding because you've been so restricted, you then rebound and all the foods that you couldn't eat, guess what? You're going to go to town and it would literally turn into, into binge eating episodes like you would not believe um, after my competitions. And, and then it just, it became a really bad uh, relationship with food that I developed. Uh, and that, that, that kind of went on for a solid year or two, really, even when I wasn't competing. Like the only way I knew was, okay, I can eat chicken and broccoli and whatnot, and I can stay in shape that way. But then when the weekend would come around, I would struggle. And then boom, Friday would come around. I would have one bad meal. And then I would just, I would just kind of be crap all weekend. And that, that's how it was for about a year or so. Up until about three years ago when I started um, educating myself more, listening to podcasts, um, and yeah, just just really kind of um, develop my relationship, uh, sorry, improve my relationship with food. And and then I got to the point where, where I'm at now where I just eat. Yeah, now t- change it. Tell us now what a day would be like <clears throat> now. Yeah, so now um, I, do, I do intermittent fasting most days. So I basically, normally I'll, I'll, I'll have clients in the mornings. 
So I have, um, I'm still a personal trainer, so I have clients first thing in the morning, 5 a.m., and then I'll I'll train a few clients, and then I'll break my fast generally like late morning. So I'll normally eat roughly within about the typical kind of eight-hour window. So I guess a lot of the listeners will be familiar with what intermittent fasting is, but that's kind of the way I do it. So in the mornings, I'll break my fast, let's just say about 10, 11 a.m., and then I'll, I aim to finish eating then by about 6, 7 p.m. So yeah, so... Basically, on a day when it comes to the actual foods I eat, I eat probably around about 50% of my calories come from fat, about 25% protein and 25% carbohydrates. So I don't eat um, a strict paleo diet, if you like, but most of the foods I eat are whole foods. The only things I don't have which don't kind of fit into the, the paleo way of eating is like I'll have some, some grains, we'll have some rice here and there. Uh, but other than that, and I will have some sourdough bread from time to time as well. But other than that, so so for example, um, yeah, um, today I, I've had an omelet. I just had an omelet before this. Then I had like a five egg omelet. Always have the yolks, obviously, because that's where the nutrients are and satiate, um, keeps you satiated as well, as you mentioned with the yeah, fats. No more egg whites. F the egg no, whites. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Goodbye to them, El. So yeah, I just had just had an omelet then with uh, red pepper, some cabbage, fried that in. Again, I do have a little, I do have little bits of dairy here and there now. So I, I, fr- I fried that in ghee oil. So I'll have a fry my food in ghee oil or coconut oil. Um, so yeah, so I fried it in ghee oil, and that that was my omelet basically. And then later on, then I'll probably have I'll probably have some steak later on. Actually, I'll have some some good quality grass fed red meat. Um, I'll have some sweet potato with that. Heaps of vegetables. I always um, add like olive oil as well. Um, to, or, or different kinds of oils, basically. I, I just want to say, this is sounding right. Like everyone listening, this is like chicken and broccoli versus, I mean, <laughs> why, there's not even a competition no, between the two descriptions. Not. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it's just so glaringly apparent, like how, how much suffering chicken and broccoli three times a <laughs> day. Exactly. Like, I can't that's even ex- handle it. That's exactly right. And I don't watch. think I'm ever going to eat it now after this podcast. Just like if oh. I ever see chicken and broccoli together, I'm just going to be like, forget it. <laughs> that's it. I'm, I'm totally scarred. I can't even have chicken breast anymore. I have thighs. I'm just completely scarred mentally. <laughs> no, but um, with chicken thighs as well, at least you're getting, you know, instead of having a chicken breast, I have chicken thighs because I get more fats in. I get more, you know, omega-3 fats, I think it is. <laughs> and and You know, so I'm getting more. Um, it's, the thing is with me, Al, as well, right now, I'm, I'm thinking of competing again at the end of the year in October. I haven't competed for like three years. I made it to the professional level. Um, and I do have a shake every day as well because for me right now, I'm trying to hit about 4,000 calories. So for me not to lose weight, I need to eat about 3,900 to 4,000 calories minimum because – you know, my metabolism is roaring hard because obviously I've built so much lean muscle over the years, but also because I'm an active person. You know, I, I probably cover around about, let's just say about an average of 12 to 15,000, I'll say average about 12,000 steps a day. You know, I lift weights most days. So for me, I do need quite a lot of calories. So I do have a, a shake once a day as well. And I have fruits every day as well. I know sometimes it's good not to not to have fruit, um, but I'll, I'll always have berries. That's my go-to. And then I'll, you know, so yeah, so it's just a, it's just a varied, you know, uh, diet, which is, is I would say about 90% whole foods. And I do eat primarily organic nowadays as well. So, um, yeah, just a, just a healthy, a healthy lifestyle nowadays. Uh, L. I'm going to ask you a really random, weird question, yeah, but I'm going to ask you anyway. So, I mean, and people have to see you to really understand the question, but if, you know, you, you have this, like, you could be, you know, a model. You are. I mean, essentially. Yep. So you're now 31. I'm sure it's always great, right, being like one of the best looking guys in the room. 
Um, <laughs> do you sometimes wish people just liked you for you? <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what it is. It gets tough. Nah, um, <laughs> nah, but yeah, I don't really know how to answer that one. <laughs> nah, <laughs> we'll, but, just, um, we'll just take it as an offhand compliment. You don't know. No, no, that's not. No, no, definitely, I take that. I do take that as a compliment. Absolutely, no. But that that, that is true though, because we we always as you know as human nature to kind of judge a book by its cover. And I do have that, you know, you do, you do get that kind of people do judge you based on how you look. So when I actually meet people, um, you know, on first contact, they're really shocked at, at, you know, kind of how I talk about health and living a balanced lifestyle and how, you know, intermittent fasting and how I am completely unconventional um, when it comes to, you know, the bodybuilding world. Because I don't like to be, you know, I don't like to be labeled as, as anything nowadays. Because, like I said, it's all about health and that. What my whole purpose in life is to try and help people achieve, you know, as much balance in their life as they can, and try and um, try and focus on feeling good and looking after their body instead of being driven by how they look. Because, um, and at the same time, though, you have to go through that journey. That's that's the only thing you have to go through that journey. I think of you know, like much like yourself, Al, you know especially with you as well. You know, I'm a model. You are um, within the acting world. You know, you're always being compared to other people. So, yeah. So I guess where I was going with that is, you know, yes, people are kind of shocked when I, when I start talking about health and intermittent fasting and how you should, you know, maybe track your calories to learn more about, you know, what's going into your body. I mean, you know, track your macronutrients and whatnot. Yeah. So um, that's, that's it really in a nutshell. Yeah. So what are some of the ways we know that you're out of balance, obviously, with probably the level of over-exercising or over-training at one point you were doing, obviously, yep. clearly terrible dietary paradigms and exercise routines. But other than that lack of balance at one point, what are other areas where you lacked balance uh, in those days and then you found it here as well or changed some other area? So there's a few areas, right? So obviously we've, we've ran through the food side of it. I've built up, you know, and it pretty much uh, the binge eating disorder. So that's, you know, and that's a lot more common than what people think, think it is. And a lot, of, a lot of guys out there as well don't really tend to talk about this as much. So um, that was the first, the first area where I, I completely lost balance was was with the nutrition. It was very extreme, binge eating, and then and then restricting my my food. Then the other areas was training as well. So yeah, so so overtraining. So for example, I'll just tell you nowadays I do virtually no cardio apart from the amount of walking I do. You know, I, I'm a very active person. I do use cardio as a tool. So if I if I've got a photo shoot coming up or if I'm going to do a competition. I will bring in uh, hit style cardio, like high intensity interval training, and I'll use that as a tool, much like I'll use anything as a tool really nowadays, and, and that's how things should be used, whether that's fasting or tracking your calories, you know, all of these things are tools, so you've got to be careful you don't get dogmatic with things. So going back to, to cardio, I tend to do, um, I'll do hit cardio and, and use that as a tool for about three or four weeks at a time, then I'll come away from it. Because if you overdo cardio, just for the listeners, if you're if you're doing cardio day in and day out, it can actually have a negative effect on your metabolism because you send a conflicting signal. So you'll you'll send the signal to your metabolism to actually to actually slow down over time because your body becomes more efficient at manually burning calories. Therefore, your your rest of, rest of metabolic rate can actually plateau and slow down if you're overdoing cardio. 
So yeah, as I was saying, nowadays I don't. Yeah, and for I want to I want to highlight that. Yeah, yeah, um, because you know we talk. Uh, you know, Mark really coined that chronic cardio thing, and you know, it's mm. sort of the essence of the primal blueprint. Uh, which is and so for people out there, if you really want to know, like, am I am I not doing chronic cardio? Uh, you can use like the Maffetone kind of calculation where it's like one eighty minus your age, whatever that number is. You don't want to go too much uh, in the week over that, unless you are an athlete and you're doing something different than the rest of the population. But mm. if you're just a regular you know, um, because at that point you're really burning more glucose. And so then you're just going to get yourself on that depletion refill train, you know, and, and still be in a carbohydrate dependency kind of wheel. And so that's, that's really the primary reason you, you really need to, you know, everyone kind of needs to look at stepping out of that. And it's, it's kind of addictive because see, when you are a sugar burner, you kind of need to do that level of carbon, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, then yeah, you yeah. have to be on right? Like, cause if you're on that shitty paradigm, you have to do the crappy workout too. That goes along with the paradigm if you're going to eat all that glucose. So, you know, it becomes this awful, again, you know, like you said, it's a eating disorder kind of um, inducing thing, especially when you're really strict. It happened to me too, as mm. well. Um, mm, and, you know, yeah. that's, that's, absolutely how that old paradigm works. You know, you think you're doing the right thing. You're getting results visually, but you're in your brain. You are not right. And, mm. and that's, you know, kind of not worth, uh, I don't know that that's worth the results at the point. Yeah, <laughs> uh, exactly. Cause it's kind of a personal hell as you know. Um, and yeah, you're right. A lot of guys don't, don't talk about it and your fitness world or any of these, you know, anything in the fitness world, right. And mm. it's just, you're going to have more of that. Absolutely, yeah, and and you know nowadays, like fortunately, I'm I'm in I'm pretty much in the shape of my life now. Actually, not obviously, I've been more shredded, so to speak. I've been leaner, obviously, for competitions. But in terms of my aesthetics, I'm actually pretty much in the shape of my life, and that's without having to think about it too much now. You know, obviously, I lift weights most days, but um, I do that because it makes me feel good mentally, primarily. And obviously, I love I love training. That's my that's my therapy. That's my uh, my, my be all and end all, if you like. But um, yeah, like, uh, you know, lifting weights is something I do out of habit now, but I'm actually in shape without thinking about it now because I've made health a priority. And actually on that note, going back to, to balance as well, one area which um, a lot of people, well, basically a lot of people tend to, to, to kind of fall up on this, on this area is, is relationships. So, you know, when it comes to, you know, keeping yourself in shape and keeping yourself in a healthy state, um, all year round and, and not being on the, you know, you, you've probably seen a lot of this L where it's, it's kind of the on or off mentality. It's like people are either on and they're going balls to wall training hard. And I'm going to be eating strict, you know, I'm going to be dieting down or I'm going to be the other way. I'm going to be off the wagon. Now finding balance is key. So that's why you need to kind of like something will give if you go down the avenue of right. And now I'm back on it. I'm going to go balls to wall and I'm going to, I'm going to lose body fat or wherever your goal is something has to give. So somewhere that did give for me was, was also relationships. So I was struggling so hard to stay in shape that I didn't have much of a social life, yeah, especially when I was competing. But that that's a given. I mean, even if I compete at the end of this year, at least for about a month, I won't have much of a social life, but that's only for a month. Whereas before, even when I wasn't competing, because I was battling so hard to stay in shape, I didn't actually have as much of a social life. And then whenever I would go out with, with friends or whatever, and we'd go to a restaurant, I would end up overeating because- Chicken and broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Going back to chicken and broccoli. Yeah, or, exactly. or binging. I guess that's, yeah. that's the theme of this podcast, chicken and broccoli. So, <laughs> Chicken, broccoli, and binging. Yeah. Exactly. That's it. So yeah, so, so finding true balance and, and health, it's, it's a wide spectrum. And firstly, you need to define really what, what balance means to you. 
Because to me, balance means um, a few different things, really. It means, you know, how are my relationships? Do I have, you know, good, meaningful relationships with people? As, as, meaningful, as a woo-woo as that sounds, we all know as humans, you know, we evolve from cooperating and helping each other and interacting with each other. So unless you have, you know, close bonds with people, you're going to end up not in a good place mentally. So that's very, very that's so important to have good relationships with people. But then obviously it's, it's the big rocks, right? So am I sleeping enough? Am I getting enough sleep um, every night, you know? And and above all, as I've mentioned several times on, on other podcasts, is the quality of your sleep. Are you really focusing on um, the sleep quality? So, for example, um, coming off electronics like an hour before bed, maybe investing in some uh, blue light blockers, which I've started using over the last year or so. That's a very important uh, big rock, I would say, to cover. And then, yes, exercise comes into that as well. It's It's – as I always like to follow, actually, um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Rob Wolfell. You uh, you a fan of Rob Wolfell? I'm a huge fan of Rob Wolfell, and in person, he's so awesome. He's exactly <laughs> the person that you you want him to be. He's just like Mark Sisson. It's like, oh, yeah, that's exactly who that guy is. Like, when you meet him, he's so great. I love him. Exactly. He's, he's an absolute legend in my eyes. And, yeah, like he always mentions, I read I read his book, see, and um, – just it's just gone out of my mind what his book was called now. Um, what was his recent book called? It's it's very it's called the Paleo Solution. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So that's also uh, the name of his podcast. Yeah, we're huge right. fans of Rob. Obviously, we we love him. Absolutely. Yeah. And anyway, as you know, he mentions the four pillars of health. So obviously, your social connections or relationships, as I just mentioned, sleep, nutrition, and exercise. So if if I would say to the listeners to focus on on anything, it's it's those big rocks. Those those four things really uh, determine whether or not you, you've got that balance in your life. And it's a, it's a case of trying to trying to um, get that balance. But as I said, as you know, well, it does take, unfortunately, um, sometimes a little bit of suffering to get to that level because you have to learn from your experiences, right? So, yeah. Absolutely. So how, how do you work with people? Do you work with people remotely, only in person? Tell us how, how can the audience benefit from having you help them, you know, yep. achieve their best body? Well, I have I have obviously my own podcast, which is is called Optimize Your Body. Also, uh, obviously on my, my social media networks, I'm I'm constantly giving out free content, you know, like kind of free recipe books, um, you know, training plans and whatnot. I do have my own my own training programs as well on my website, which uh, which I sell. But yeah, mainly nowadays I'm just pumping out free content um, on a remote basis, if you like, when it comes to the online stuff. So mainly I, I, I'm still personal training people and doing modeling. So um, most, most of my work I'd say nowadays is just through personal training. But right now, as I say, um, the, the best way they can benefit from my stuff is on my podcast, Optimize Your Body, and through mainly, mainly my Instagram, um, which is, as you mentioned, is at Martin Silver Fitness, where I'm constantly educating people, whether it's on my story, uh, the content I'm putting out there. And also my website as well. So, um, so my, we're going to be. I'm going to be able to benefit people a lot more because um, my friend and I are both currently going to collaborate and, and create our own. We're creating our own website right now. So we're just going to be. Um, we're going to be giving out loads of free content via that as well. Um, but yeah, you can you can get all all of those things on my website as well, which you can find on my social media. So yeah, so generally, I would say just to go through my um, my Instagram or my podcast, and you're, you're going to get everything there including my website, um, you know, off the back of that. So, yeah. All right. What was your most awesome favorite modeling job ever? Most awesome favorite modeling job. That's a tough one, really. Um, hmm. I would have to say, do you know what? It was one I'd done, I done here in Australia, actually. It was, um, you're going to laugh at this now. It was for, uh, you've heard of Love Island? 
the uh, reality. <laughs> don't worry. Don't okay, worry. Wait. Wanna... No, wait. Is that a reality show thing, or is that actual show. like a hedonism resort or something? Yeah, no, it's a reality TV show. But I just want to put this out there. I wasn't on the show. Just want to clear that up straight away. I was not on <laughs> Love Island, right? <laughs> um, but they, they, I was a, I was a model for the uh, for the commercial for the TV commercial because they brought it out. They brought Love Island out to Australia. And I was one of the models on the TV commercial. And that was just a really good, uh, easy, easy kind of number. Because um, as you know, the weather out here in Australia, generally, most of the year is beautiful. I live down in Sydney. And it was literally just two days on the beach, surrounded by, you know, um, good looking people, women in bikinis and whatnot. <laughs> and yeah, that's and it was just times. literally, yeah, and we, we, there was just music playing, dancing. around. It was just really uh, kind of easy, kind of enjoyable number, really. Um, I think what was going to be the best, the best deal I had as a model, I came really close to getting it. Was um, I actually flew out to to uh, over over to your side of the pond actually last year, actually the year before last now, forgot where we're at, and um, I got down to the last the last five in this big kind of competition. So I almost landed that one, and that was going to be a really good gig. It was going to be um, like three weeks out in Japan and Hawaii, um, and it was it was very close to getting that, uh, but I didn't. So that was going to be the best, I think. But yeah, that was that was a really- <laughs> well. There might be better. Um, what, as far as Australia goes, what's your in terms of like nature? What's your favorite like happy place? A place you just love that you could go back to over and over again? Yeah. So. I've, by the way, to the listeners, I'm, I'm actually from the UK, as I've explained to, to Al before. I'm from Wales in the UK, and I've lived in, in Australia for almost two years now. So I, my favorite place out here, like I'm big into the, the great outdoors when it comes to like, um, you know, mountains and stuff like that, going for hikes and stuff. So the Blue Mountains, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of that, but the Blue Mountains are beautiful, but it's, 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 it's kind of similar in a sense to California. I mean, I, I love California because it's, it's, it's very similar. It's got the beaches and the sea side, but it's also got lots and lots of beautiful, um, you know, mountain sides and, and kind of hikes you can do there. So my favorite uh, go-to place for me to get in touch with nature here is, is the Blue Mountains. It's just beautiful up there. It's just peaceful, you know, um, the fresh kind of mountain air. I, I am a very much outdoors person. So for me, it's always that kind of scenery. I Don't get me wrong. I love beaches uh, and I love jumping in the sea and whatnot. But when it comes to me, you know, being, you know, getting in touch with nature and actually having a little bit of an escape and a release, it's definitely just a two hour, two hour um, train journey out to the mountains. And uh, it's beautiful. All right. So now what's your favorite? Same question, but UK. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I'm very, I'm a very passionate Welsh, uh, British man, and there's a place in Wales called the Bracken Beacons National Park. In um, for 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 the American listeners or for any listeners really, Wales is kind of a lot. Even even people in here in Australia don't kind of understand the logistics of of the UK. So the UK is Wales, England, and Scotland, and so so the UK or, or the Great Britain is an island, and Wales, England, and Scotland are separate countries within that island. So a lot of people just think of the UK as London, England, but actually Wales, England, and Scotland, they're all separate countries. So I'm from Wales, and there's a place called the Brecon Beacons National Park. And once again, it's it's um, it's probably about, I don't know, 50 to 100 miles of just um, beautiful mountains and um, some of the most amazing hikes and scenery um, I've ever seen in my whole life, really. So yeah. 
That's awesome. Thanks for indulging me in that one. <laughs> no um, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Of course, we're going to put all of the ways to connect with you uh, in the show notes. And is there anything else you'd like to leave our audience with? That's a good question. So yeah, I guess, I guess I'd like to just put like in one or two sentences just to, to anyone listening is uh, well, the good thing about this podcast is it's, um, it's very health oriented, which is what I love about it. But um, just focus on what makes you feel good and try and enjoy what you're doing. You know, because um, a lot of people maybe listening to this want to get in shape as well as feel good. So just be consistent and do the training you enjoy doing. You don't you don't have to do things you don't enjoy. I want to try and get that message across to people because although I love weightlifting and you get the best benefits, if you ask me, um, with resistance training, you know, be consistent with whatever exercise you're doing uh, and, you know, you're going to get great results. But um, yeah, one more thing, I guess. Yeah, just just you'll you'll get loads of information from me over on my Instagram. So I'd just like to kind of enlighten that for the listeners, or kind of highlight that for the listeners. Just if you go over to my Instagram, I'm, I'm pumping out so much content on there. So um, yeah, just just stay tuned, really. Awesome, thank you so much. We will. I appreciate you coming on the show, and we'll see everyone next week. Hi, Brad Kearns here with something different than a stiff commercial script message. I want to give you an authentic endorsement for one of my favorite supplements of all time. It's called Adaptogenic Calm. used to be called Primal Calm, and the key ingredient in this formula is called Phosphatidylserine, or PS. And this agent has been shown in hundreds of studies to blunt the catabolic effects of the stress hormone cortisol in the bloodstream that's released in response to all forms of life stress, whether it's a series of difficult workouts, extensive jet travel, personal stress of any kind. We're constantly triggering the fight-or-flight mode in modern life, and when people say, hey, you should take a chill pill, this really is a chill pill because when you consume an appropriate amount of phosphatidylserine and the other supportive ingredients that have been known to have a calming effect on the central nervous system, things like magnesium, L-theanine, magnolia bark, and rhodiola, you will get a calming effect. It's not like a stimulant product that makes you feel more energy and have a better workout, but instead this sort of takes the edge off of that stress buzz where you feel that foggy brain function, maybe a little shaky and finally fried at the end of a busy stressful day. This stuff will help you clear your bloodstream from those catabolic stress hormones before they can do the damage. So I like to take significant quantities of it in and around stressful events such as jet travel or in those heavy training cycles when you're really pushing your body and trying so hard not to fall into that overtraining, overstress, foggy brain function spiral downward. That's right, phosphatidylserine has also been shown to enhance cognitive function. It's commonly used in Europe on cognitive decline patients, and you can 